if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get rolling on a Friday. It's a free for all Friday. That is an extended free for all Friday. What do I mean by that? It means we've got five hours of free-for-allness today. Yeah, I made that word up. Going to be with you until 11 o'clock. Going to take an hour break to listen to a little bit of Mike Gallagher. Then at noon, uh, I'll be on live for Dennis Prager today. You will hear Charlie Kirk here, of course, on AM 1420, The Answer from 12 to 1. Then you'll get the last two hours of uh, the Prager show that I will be hosting today. But I've got five hours of opportunities to talk to and listen to you today, including on Dennis Prager's show. So I hope you will be tuning in. Coming up on the program this morning in about a half an hour. We are going to talk with Ohio State Senator Andy Brenner. Why? Because he is sponsoring a Senate bill that would ostensibly do something similar to what the House bill introduced by Jennifer Gross would do in the state of Ohio. The House bill by Jennifer Gross very specifically would ban any vaccine mandates from either state or governmental entities or private corporations and businesses. That's huge. Senate Bill 169, however, uh, certainly does the former. Does it do the latter? And does it go far enough? That's the question. I'm going to talk to him about why there are competing bills in the two different chambers of the Ohio General Assembly. So Andy Brenner coming up here at 935. We'll figure out what that's all about. I know uh, Senator Brenner is a good man. And I know he's got uh, Ohio's best interests at heart here. I just don't know enough about this bill yet to see if this is something we should support and back or if there's some changes that need to be made to it. So that conversation will be at 9.35. Then at 10.35, we will talk with our regular Friday guest, commentary from Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative herself. So Andy Brenner, current Ohio State senator at 9.35, and Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative, at 10.35. So we're looking forward to those conversations. Before and in between and after those conversations, your phone calls. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either of those numbers will get you here. And I look forward to hearing from you throughout the day on whatever is on your mind. But before we get into the business of the day, let us start our program as we do each and every day with our pause for the pledge. If you are not driving right now, please stand. If you are, at least put your hand over your heart. If you are a leftist, you may feel free to take a knee because we know that's what you want to do. 
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You do realize you don't have to do that, right? You do realize that in the confines and the privacy of your own home, if that's where you are, you don't actually have to stand and put your hand over your heart for the pledge. But you know something? I know that you do. At least some of you do. You tell me this when I go to speaking engagements and other various places where I, where I interact with uh, the wonderful people who tune into this radio show. People will actually tell me that they do indeed stand and put their hand over their heart. Or if they cannot stand, they will put their hand over their heart and recite that pledge with me at the start of every show. It means a lot to people. I just kind of started to do it to jab the Democrats who refused to say the pledge at the start of various House committee meetings, uh, even after the requests of Republican members of the committee to say the Pledge of Allegiance to begin the festivities or the work of the day, the agenda, and uh, Democrats refused to do it. And so it was just more of a jab at them. Well, if they won't say the pledge, we will. One of those kind of things. But then I started to find out how much it meant to people. People really, really take it seriously. And I know that there are people right now sitting back down into their easy chair or wherever it is at their kitchen table uh, after standing and saying that pledge. Even though they know no one else can see them, they can see themselves. They know that God can see them. And they take it very seriously. So to all of you, I, you have my deepest and most profound uh, respect. Okay, uh, a lot of ground to cover today. Um, police are being targeted. Police are being targeted, and we've seen instances of this in the past, particularly in the past several years, since Barack Obama really in 2008 started uh, his presidency by declaring police stupid and by declaring police racist, and by declaring police saying in the criminal justice system racist. Uh, we know the police officers have been in the... Oftentimes, there'll be like spurts where officers are called to various situations, maybe domestic violence calls or uh, you know break-in calls or whatever they might be, and then they show up and then they're ambushed and shot and killed, or they're ambushed and assaulted and beaten and hospitalized. We have seen this where it'll be like, because I just, you know, I've been on the air doing this for a very long time. And every time it happens, we'll talk about it. You know, there it is again. There it is again. And we talked about how the anti-police um, attitude, atmosphere, uh, circumstances, whatever you want to call it, created by our leadership. And again, then it was Barack Obama, and now it's pretty much the entirety of the Democratic National uh, Party. Um, and not to mention, of course liberal celebrities and athletes and activists like LeBron James and others, the anti-police atmosphere that has been created is starting to lead to another one of those spurts. And I say this with hope that it's only going to be a spurt, meaning it's going to be a few days of these or a, you know a couple of weeks of these, and then it will start to die down again. But I don't know that that's going to be the case this time. I don't know that it's going to be short-lived while people's fuses are still very short and their anger is red hot and their uh, divisiveness is being stoked by leadership, etc. I don't know if this is going to be a short-lived spurt of anti-police crimes. 
I can only hope that. But I fear that we might be in a little bit of a different place right now, that this is going to be something that is prolonged and extended. Ambushes and other opportunities. I, don't, I know I'm sure you saw in New York City a police detective literally in broad daylight in front of dozens of witnesses. A young idiot with a big, long white stick came up and whacked a police officer upside his head. He was eventually chased down and caught by other police officers. But this anti-police atmosphere is starting to have a very serious impact, and cops are losing their lives. He was just doing his job. 54-year-old Corporal Keith Keycook showed up to this Delaware neighborhood alone Sunday to break up a fight and instead was viciously beaten unconscious. The 22-year veteran succumbing to his head injuries on Wednesday. On the very same day of his death, two North Carolina sheriff's deputies also killed. Sergeant Chris Ward and K-9 deputy Logan Fox were ambushed and shot during a routine welfare check. In California, an off-duty cop was shot after a suspect broke into his car to steal his bulletproof vest and gun. These are not related incidents, but they are not isolated incidents, if you can follow that. They didn't actually uh, coordinate or collaborate with one another, the, the perpetrators of these crimes against these officers and killing of these officers and attacks on these officers. Uh, but they are related because this is the atmosphere that is created. This is the, uh, this is the new normal for police that people rather than, not all people, of course, in fact, a relatively small number, I think, when taken into the context of 330 million Americans. But there are enough in that percentage of cop haters to make this a very, very dangerous time for police officers to do their jobs. Now, what we used to say when the, these things you know, kind of really started to ramp up is that who would want to be a police officer in this environment when you go and do your job and it could cost you a your life insofar as if you have to encounter a a suspect in a violent confrontation and there's a need for lethal force that you may be shot and killed in the course of doing your job or b that you will do your job and in the course of not wanting to be shot and killed uh you have to make a split decision that will be analyzed in slow motion, frame by frame, by television quote-unquote experts and armchair uh, police officers with their phones in their hands forever until you go to jail. So it used to be the two things are shot and killed in the line of duty while trying to save lives, or uh, you go to jail because somebody didn't like how you did it. Now we can add a third. Not shot in the line of duty, just flat-out ambushed flat-out targeted because you're a cop. It's leading to thousands across the country, hundreds in various cities, of police officers walking off the job. They're down double-digit percentages in terms of police officers coming into academies, and they're up double-digit percentages pushing up toward triple, meaning twice as many, 100% as many uh, early retirements and officers leaving the, the profession uh, compared to previous years. Cities are in extraordinary danger now because police officers aren't going to be there. 
And I'm going to bring up something that nobody likes to hear, but it's the reality of the situation. And I've talked about it before. So has Heather McDonald. So has Peter Kersenow. So has Dr. Ron Martinelli. So have so many other experts in this field. The people who are going to pay the price for these police officers not wanting to be killed, ambushed, shot, or tried and convicted and responding to violent situations and instead retiring and leaving or deciding on another career, the victims are going to be overwhelmingly, disproportionately black. Because the overwhelming, disproportionate number of violent crimes committed in America are committed in black communities by black perpetrators to black victims, which is why over 90% of police 911 calls that come into most major cities, including Cleveland, are from black victims screaming for help, need police here now, because they are being victimized. And when the police say, we just don't have enough off the 911 dispatcher, if you get an answer, 911 may start ringing off the hook. And you can't even get an answer. But if you do and the dispatcher says, sorry, we have no units available, because we have 35% of the number of police officers now than we did 10 years ago, we just have no one to send you. Good luck fighting this on your own. Good luck trying to stop yourself from being victimized on your own. Then what? Then what? I suppose the existing police will be considered racist because they didn't respond fast enough to each of those individual crimes. So this is where we are. I just I wanted to summarize those three incidents of police officers being shot and or beaten to death uh, in very short order here. This is one of those spurts we can hope or... It's one of those, uh, well, not even one of those because we really haven't seen it yet, or it's going to be something that is just the new normal and the way of life. I can tell you this, that if it is the new normal for police, where ambushes are regular and where every single thing they do, every single authoritative command they give is questioned and then fought to the point where somebody is getting injured and or killed, including the cops, if this is the new normal, they will have leftist politicians to thank for it, including those in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm not talking for a change about Mike DeWine. I'll explain what I mean by that after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 925 now. Uh, thanks for being with us. Phone line's open at 216-901-0945, but it is a short segment. If you wish to wait, that's okay. But coming up after the bottom at 935, we are going to be talking with Ohio State Senator Annie, Andy Brenner, who is sponsoring Senate Bill 169 to try to stop vaccine passports from becoming legalized in the state of Ohio. But um, does it go far enough? That's the question we're going to talk to Senator Brenner. We're going to learn more about that bill uh, coming up. House Bill uh, 248 that we discussed with Jennifer Gross shortly after she introduced it, uh, State Representative Jennifer Gross, I think is is a strong plan, maybe a stronger plan. I'm going to find out how that differentiates uh, with um, uh, Senator Brenner, Brenner's plan on the Senate side. So I mentioned Columbus, Ohio. <clears throat> 
And I talked about how if there is to be more anti-police violence, anti-police rhetoric is going to be responsible for it. And that anti-police rhetoric is being fueled by leftist politicians. And I said it's this, including in Columbus, but in this case, it's not leftist Republican Mike DeWine. In this case, case it is actual leftist Democratic Mayor Andrew, Andrew Ginther, who has decided to cave in to the pressure of Black Lives Matter, of Benjamin Crump, of the family of Micaiah Bryant, and others, in ordering or asking for, requesting at the very least, a federal probe into the use of force that uh, was employed by Nicholas Reardon, Officer Nicholas Reardon, last Tuesday. Um, what an investigation is going to show beyond the 11 seconds that we saw on video, I don't know. What I do know is that you can watch it in full speed or you can watch it frame by frame. Either way, you will see Micaiah Bryant in full-on attempted murder, in progress at the time bullets struck her body. If there has ever been a clearer case of a legal shoot, a good shoot, a clean shoot, a protect-and-serve shoot, a self-defense or defense of others shoot, this is it. Why there would need to be a federal probe, I don't know except for the fact that I do. Democratic Mayor Andrew Ginther is preparing a big, fat, tasty settlement for the family of Micaiah Bryant, regardless of what any investigation shows. We have seen this game played before. Andrew Ginther, in wanting to maintain his relationship with his voting base, which is the leftist and the black community in Columbus, is going to find a way to call for a federal probe as part of the uh, as part of the uh, uh, investigation into the death of Micaiah Bryant, and even when the officer is cleared, which he obviously will be, they will look for a reason to perhaps say that her civil rights were violated federally, and therefore there's a reason to give her family money. We've seen it again, time and time again. Micaiah Bryant, 16, was shot and killed by Officer Reardon after Bryant lunged toward another female with a knife. Bryant ignored multiple requests from Reardon to get down, get down. According to the body cam video, we have all seen the attorney for Bryant's family, Michelle Martin. So I guess I kind of threw Ben Crump in there. I should not have. I don't know that he's a part of this one yet, in all caps. Um. But Michelle Martin called for the investigation Wednesday from the Department of Justice into the shooting, according to ABC. We are here, she said, and we're going to investigate every agency that had a time and an opportunity to prevent Micaiah's death. We will push for those investigations beyond this shooting. All systems failed her. End quote. Now, what they're looking into is, in addition to the police agency, they're looking into the foster care system. They're looking into the system that had her in somebody else's custody at age of six, the age of 16, rather than her mother, who lived in Columbus. Why was mom not taking care of her? And why does nobody have the guts to say perhaps all systems failed her, including her parental system? How about the fact that mom lives in Columbus and mom wasn't watching her? Mom was did not have custody of her. Why didn't mom have custody of her? And when mom didn't want to take care of her or could not take care of her for whatever reason that may be, then one has to ask, 
how can you blame the system for doing whatever they can to try to put her into somebody's house? Mayor Andrew Ginther and Columbus City Attorney Zach Klein wrote a Wednesday letter to Acting Deputy Director Robert Chapman of the DOJ saying, we need to change the culture of the Columbus Division of Police. So, to summarize, a black 16-year-old girl tries to stab to death two other black teenagers. A police officer shows up on the scene just in time to stop the, the murder of one of them, literally in mid-murder. Literally, with the arm pulled back and about to plunge forward either to what? Ribs, neck, torso, whatever. Deadly, deadly, deadly situation. Police officer responds, and now we're going to blame the foster system. The foster care system, foster household system, we're going to blame the police, but we're not going to blame the parents and or the 16-year-old who made the decision to try to kill two people with a large butcher knife. They're blaming cops. Got to change the culture of the Columbus Division of Police. That's what leftist Mayor Andrew Ginther says and is demanding a DOJ investigation to prove it blame the cops so you can write a big fat city taxpayer funded check settlement check to the family of Micaiah Bryant who did nothing to raise the girl if Columbus is committed to reform as they say they are there's a lot of reform that needs to be made that is not the police system we'll get uh, news now we'll come back talk to uh, Senator Andy Brenner next AM 1420 the answer Okay, it's 9.35. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for being with us on this Free For All Friday. Want to uh, get back to the issue now of vaccination for COVID-19 and whether or not it is something that should be required by any agency or by the state or by individual corporations and private enterprises. Uh, And if it is required, if you should be required to show proof that you have done so and whether or not that can impact your employment or your engaging in commerce to buy or sell or attend or to patronize businesses based on your health status. Joining us now to discuss is the sponsor of a bill in the Ohio Senate that could potentially solve some of those dilemmas. State Senator Andrew Brenner joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Senator, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. It's good to have you back on the program up here in uh, Cleveland or in the Cleveland area. We certainly appreciate you making time for us. So um, I want to talk about Senate Bill 169, obviously, and then I want to talk about House Bill 248. Obviously, these are uh, in the different chambers of the General Assembly, but they, it would seem, appear to have some of the same goals. Can you tell us, first of all, uh, give us the nuts and bolts of what your bill, since you introduced Senate Bill 169, actually does? Well, thanks, Bob. Uh, Two things. Number one is if you're an employer in the state of Ohio or your business or anything, uh, whether it's government, private sector, uh, you cannot be forced to take a coronavirus vaccine underneath this bill. Uh, And it would be you've got your own personal rights, and that 
would protect it. Additionally, uh, you would not be uh, required to carry around uh, papers to prove to any kind of uh, government agency organization uh, that you have taken a uh, coronavirus uh, vaccine. And uh, that would apply. You would not have to do anything in writing. It just it would be a right uh, similar to, you know, uh, what the founders wanted was in, in, in the Declaration of Independence, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, this is liberty, and uh, this is what I'm trying to defend in the bill. Well, it is indeed about liberty. I completely agree about that. Um, does this bill specify that we are talking only about a government mandate that anybody take the vaccine and or show physical proof or digital proof that one has taken the vaccine, uh, or does it also include private enterprise? Can businesses, you know, uh, bus lines in the state of Ohio or arenas, you know, down in Cincinnati or Cleveland or wherever to watch a professional sporting event, uh, can private enterprises still mandate vaccine and the showing of proof of those vaccines under SB 169? Well, under SB 169, we divide, define it as any person, political subdivision, public official, or state agency. Person is already in Ohio Revised Code to include any uh, commercial entity. So if it's a, a corporation, LLC, you name it, uh, it's already defined under that as person. So uh, any of those, directly or indirectly, the administration of the vaccine used for the purpose of introducing uh, into humans immunity against the, the coronavirus. So it, it is defined as any of those types of entities. I I appreciate that, uh, and I'm glad for that definition being being included uh, in the Ohio Revised Code. Do you think it might help, though, Senator, just to throw an actual line in there to clarify that no public nor private enterprise can indeed force this vaccination or the showing of of, of proof thereof, rather than referring to the ORC definition of person, just just for the sake of clarity, so that we don't have any fights about this uh, whenever this kind of thing goes to a vote. Well, we can. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not opposed to that. I was checking with our Legislative Service Commission, which is our group of attorneys for the General Assembly, who write, help write. They were the ones that actually helped draft our our language. And uh, I actually I've got clarifying information saying showing what the definition of person is. But you know, if there's some concerns about that, I suppose we could uh, add some clarifying language to it. I know there are a lot of Ohioans who are very, very worried about this. They're very worried about their liberties, which you identify as being very important in this mm-hmm. bill. And, and I think, I think it would probably ease a lot of concerns if it was spoken that way or if it was written that way, rather. Which I guess brings me to what I mentioned before. There's another bill on the other side, uh, sponsored by mm-hmm. Jennifer Gross. And I think thus far, I think it only has 12 co-sponsors, uh, sponsors, which is disturbing. And it's been sitting in uh, a committee basically dying for the last month or so or three weeks or so what are, what are your thoughts on house bill 248 and is there a way that perhaps it could marry senate bill 169 well i i think that uh you know i i think that it's just it's a good bill i mean from the standpoint of trying to defend liberty which is what it's supposed to do i i'm not sure i'm in complete agreement with uh some of the way they've drafted their bill and my understanding is they're going to do a sub bill on it what they've done is they say that you would have to put something in writing yourself uh, saying that you don't want to have to take the vaccine or whatever. 
I think that opens up a can of worms that I don't want to open. So I'm just saying in my bill that just automatically you have a right to your own personal body to not have to have a vaccine if you so wish. Now, again, that doesn't take away anybody else's right to go ahead and take a vaccine uh, specifically for coronavirus. Um, I do know that the Highlands for uh, Medical Freedom and a couple of the other groups would like me to expand the definition to include any vaccination. Um, I was trying to deal with the immediate uh, issue, which is the coronavirus vaccine, uh, where I believe a lot of people are feeling like they're being forced to do something that they that's against their will. And I don't think that's the role of government. I mean, that clearly isn't the role of government. And we founded this nation on liberty uh, to get out of uh, basically uh, mandates coming from, in this case at the time, was uh, England, uh, taxation without representation. Uh, in this case, they're, they're forcing, you know, something on an individual. Now, we already have exemptions for uh, religion and other things uh, that are in the code. We also have uh, the Ohio Constitutional Amendment uh, that for health, uh, uh, you know, privacy protections, but that is not necessarily dealing with something like this. Uh, so I introduced this. I've got a few co-sponsors. Mind you, I'm in the Senate, so... I had a lot of interest in it, and I think a lot of my colleagues would be willing to vote for the bill uh, if it were to get to the floor uh, of the Senate uh, based on uh, some feedback that I've received from my my colleagues in the Senate. And I think uh, most senators want to defend liberty and and freedom of of individuals, so I I think that's a positive. Uh, But, again, this doesn't take away from anybody who wishes to, you know, take a vaccine if they wish uh, for coronavirus. That's what liberty's all about, right? Yeah. If you if you want to yep. take it, take it. And if you don't, you shouldn't be forced to. Two two things. You anticipated one of my questions when you talked about uh specific to coronavirus rather than other vaccines. Um why did you narrow your language in this to just the coronavirus? And I ask that respectfully, just thinking about what happens next time around? There's a new viral outbreak in, I don't know, 2028, or God forbid, 2023. But there's another one down the road here, and oh my gosh, we got to get a vaccine, and everybody has to take it mm-hmm. this time, or else. Um, wouldn't it be nice to have all of those future things covered with a, with a, you know, with a law that is passed now here in 2021 that says the state cannot force you to take foreign, foreign injections into your body, uh, under the auspices of some sort of health emergency it is a personal private decision for everybody no matter the virus i yeah i agree with you i I think ultimately that's where the bill can go i wanted to start off with the immediate concern uh that is out there among most people um i i felt that if we made it very broad right from the get-go that i might lose votes and potential support for the bill but I think once we have debate and discussion over the bill and, and the current uh, requirements uh, that are, are starting to pop off, especially I, I heard about Montgomery County prosecutor uh, saying essentially to his staff, get vaccinated or you don't have a job here. I mean, that's yeah. just inappropriate um, and, and shouldn't be allowed to happen. I think that, uh, you know, the, the point of the vaccine is to protect the individual who's taken the vaccine. I mean, the studies that I've read don't even say that this is going to stop. I mean, you can still get coronavirus uh, from somebody, even if you've already had the vaccine. And I think some people think that once you've had the vaccine, you're suddenly protected. Um, 
it, it'll help reduce the symptoms and problems, but it's not necessarily a thing that's going to stop the virus or stop it from spreading. There has been some, I think there are a couple studies that indicate that it looks like it will slow uh, the uh, the viral load uh, substantially mm-hmm. if you've had the, the, the uh, virus uh, vaccine. But uh, again, I, I think that there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there about what these vaccines are capable of doing. And it, it gets to between this and, you know, uh, the mask. I was just down uh, in, in South Carolina uh, this last week uh, for our wedding anniversary, and I will tell you that uh, there were people, even though South Carolina no longer has a mask requirement, there are people wearing masks. That's their choice. Uh, but we were not harassed when we were not wearing masks down there, and uh, there were, you know, thousands of people not wearing masks down there. Uh, the spread is no more or less down there than up here. Uh, so well, these are, as you, again, as you know, not only liberty and control. Senator, we're talking with uh, Senator Andrew Brenner uh, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, as you know, Governor DeSantis, to much fanfare and criticism, you know, opened up Florida. Uh, Greg Abbott in Texas did the same thing. No more mask mandates at all. Why do you suppose Governor DeWine is not getting on board this? He's a red state governor. He's supposedly a Republican who believes in personal liberty rather than government orders. Why do you suppose he hasn't lifted his in the same way? I think it's the people who are advising him. To, to be honest, I think the doctors. I think many of them, I, I don't know, because I'm looking at the same studies that I think DeSantis is looking at and the studies that I believe uh, the the doctors in the Ohio Department of Health are looking at. Um, and I'm a little baffled myself as to why they haven't gone ahead and listed the, many of them. I mean, our alert system. Do, do you have any kind of a working county. relationship with the governor, Senator? Do you? Because I'm, you know, you're right. He's listening to the wrong people. I think um, you you get it. Uh, I'm wondering if you and other senators or other, you know, uh, uh, legislators can perhaps have a little powwow with Governor Dewine and say, "Are you watching this down there? Do you see that the states that are the most open with respect to uh, uh, policies on masks and distancing and so forth are in the lowest tier in the country of new outbreaks?" And this is not one day or two days after freeing these, uh, you know, of, uh, people of these mandates. We're talking a month later, well after the incubation period of new cases would have taken place. You know, I mean, it, can you or somebody else get to the governor and say, free the people of Ohio? Look, the studies show that this is the way to go? Uh, well, I've been trying. I've been working specifically. To, uh, I, I do have a, a good relationship with the Ohio uh, Department of Health Director. And I've been forwarding all the studies and information I've uh, seen on this. Uh, Cheryl Atkinson just came out with something uh, in, in her thing, and I forwarded that to, to the Department of Health, and, and she then forwards it to her doctors. I just think that the group of doctors that are in there are telling them something that, and, and interpreting it in a way that's different than these other states. That's the only thing that I can figure as to what's going on. And the governor is saying, okay, you're my people who are advising me. I'm listening to you. I'm going to follow your advice. I think that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I know other people think that he's doing it for other reasons. I don't. I personally think that he's, he believes that, that he's given good advice and he's following it. I disagree with their interpretation. Uh, now, I'm not a doctor, but I do know how to read a, 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 a medical journal, and I also know how to read uh, the, the analysis in those journals. And even the CDC... When it comes to vaccinations, getting back to that, uh, is they're, they're unsure about, you know, nursing mothers. I mean, you go through the list of things, there isn't enough data 
to know about a lot of the things that are dealing with the vaccines, yet, you know, they were passed for emergency use uh, based on a certain scientific background, but they don't know all the issues that are around it. I mean, I've heard that no. there have been some issues, and obviously Johnson & Johnson with blood clots. Uh, so, you know... There are more and more cases being discovered of women having severe I- impacts on their menstrual cycles who have taken the vaccine. Uh, they didn't foresee that, or at least they didn't talk about that when they said this is ready to go and has been given emergency approval by the FDA. So there's a lot of things. You're right that um, uh, you know that these things impact, which should give people the freedom of choice. Uh, last question, because we're short on time here, uh, Senator yep. Brenner. With the language of 169, um, you know, we, we talked about maybe perhaps adding a line that says specifically public and private enterprises cannot va- mandate these things or, or proof thereof. Um, I love the fact that you're specific in this, that saying schools and employers cannot require students and or employees to have this vaccine in order to be in their respective places, to have their job, to be in the workplace, to be in the school, and so on and so forth. Is there any language that specifies not only do they not have to have it, but that there can be no discrimination against people who choose not to have it? And I'm talking about whether it be promotions, talking about job assignments, talking about backlash from teachers or angry board members against students whose uh, parents say, you don't have to have this and you're still going to school. Because I think that's a big fear a lot of Ohioans have, is being discriminated against even if they aren't forced to take it. Yeah, I... We're, we're having those conversations. I will tell you this. I've got to get a bill for both the, the Senate, the House, and put it on the governor's desk. And if he doesn't like it and vetoes it, then I've got to have enough votes to override the governor. Mm-hmm. So you've got to tailor a bill in such a way that you can get enough votes to get it into law. Do you think that would uh, be I an obstacle, though? To getting, do you think, do you think that not, an anti-discrimination language would be an obstacle? I'm sorry. You know, I think some of those could be obstacles, yes. Uh, now, do I do I think that we should have that in, in law? I believe we should be looking to put that into law. But I think we're going to have to take some baby steps as to where we are. After all, we were one of the first states to uh, move to a, a quasi-lockdown when, when uh, you know, the Arnold yeah. Classic was canceled last year. So, it, yeah, and, no, and believe right. me, all the other states are slowly. I, saw, I heard this morning Tennessee now is undoing theirs as well. So... It's a slow process, and um, hopefully we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, and, you know, I appreciate you launching it and and putting it in the right direction. I have to tell you, though, I'm a little taken aback and and shocked to hear, not that you're wrong, but I'm just really surprised to learn that it could be an obstacle for an Ohio legislator to to, uh, uh, support non-discriminatory language in the bill. That if it says you can't discriminate against these people, then I might not vote for it, or we might not have enough to override a veto. That blows my mind that any legislator who's been elected by the people of Ohio would consider anti-discrimination language to be a deal-breaker. That that discrimination should be allowed against people who don't have the vaccine. That's mind-blowing to me. I, it's it's my belief that some members would be there, and I think they've got their own reasons. I'm not going to discount their position on it. I'm just saying that I believe that there are members who, for other reasons, would think that that could be an issue. Wow. And, well, uh, they'll, I respect, they'll the, I respect that, and you have to work side. with these people. I respect that you yep. won't discount their position, but uh, from sitting here as a, as a constituent, I'll discount it, because anybody who says, yep. I will not vote for something that does not uh, provide protection from discrimination is somebody that I will make it my mission to have removed from, off, uh, from their office the next time they are up for re-election. 
But that's a layman's or a, or a citizen's opinion. Uh, Senator Brenner, thank you for sponsoring this. I hope we can tighten up and strengthen up the language as this thing goes for the pro- through the pro- uh, process, as you talked about. And I certainly appreciate your explanation this morning. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for having right. me. God bless you. All right, that's uh, Senator Andy Brenner on AM 1420, The Answer. A little long there, so we'll get out now and come right back in on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 9.59, so I don't have time for calls here, but I do want to take your phone calls for the next 30 minutes until Christina Hagen comes on at uh, uh, 10.30. Or ten thirty five, really. So uh, dial now and get in line at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. It's open lines, free for all. Whatever you want to talk about is fine. If you want to talk about the bill that I just discussed with Senator Brenner, we'll do it. If you want to talk about uh, something else, including the policing, uh, anti policing efforts of people like Democrat Mayor Andrew Ginther in Columbus, we can do that. You can talk about the ongoing uh, number of um, ambushes of police killing cops. We can talk about that. And on the other side of the news, I also think I'm going to talk about what's going on in our colleges and universities. A professor kind of went over the top, kind of went over the top at Cypress College out in uh, California. I've got some audio here that I think will uh, shock your senses, and we'll talk about it and get your reaction to that, too. But you can decide the direction of the conversation for the next uh, 30 minutes with Free For All Friday at 216-901-0945, right here on... 